Hey, drama listeners, it's 2021, and on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash thedramapodcast, we have got, or is it backslash? I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter. But anyway, we've got so much fun going on over there. In addition to everything you already know, access to the Instagram Close Friends, which is, honestly, we spill a lot of tea. It's pretty dramatic. But you get access to that. You get you know, two to five bonus episodes a month, exclusive Zoom call recordings from some of your favorite episodes. It is amazing and so fun. And I just want to remind you that if you're not a Patreon subscriber already, go ahead and do it. You know, like I said, I gave you the website. You can also find it from all of our social media. It's $5 a month and you won't regret it. If you don't get your dose of drama enough from our weekly feed episode, you are in for a treat at our Patreon Patreama. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we, we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater pop culture, love, and life in New New York York City. City. But you know what? We're not in New York City and we haven't been (laughs) so long. (laughs) We need, you know what? I'm making an executive decision. We're changing our intro. This is a big moment in the pod. This is, this, we haven't changed the format in a long time ever. Even though you've wanted to cut literally every segment we've ever done. um, I think we need to say in New York City and beyond or like, and the world. We did, we did say, and the world, when we, when, you know, the pandemic first hit and we were doing those, like, we're recording from home kind of vibes. Um, We did say, and the world. So let's just do that because it's funny when we started the podcast, we were like, this is a, we, you know, we want it to be in-person experiences. This is, these are so valuable. And we had asked a few people to do the pod and they were like, well, I'm on the West coast. So we could do it over the phone. And, you know, in November of 2019, we were like, Oh my gosh, I can't imagine like, doing what? it. Won't that be awkward? Won't and the magic's like, in the room. Stumble over each other's connections. And then sure enough, everything's virtual, but you know. I know, it's crazy, but I like that. We will make that adjustment. Okay, very good. Also, this this is a momentous recording because I think this is the first Saturday night, well, Saturday night for us that we've ever done a pod. Yes, how fun. It's like Saturday night on Broadway. Oh, how fun. And yeah. you know what? We're actually, we, we're going to a virtual engagement party later where we're yes. all going to make cocktails. I, you know, a year ago, this would, again, this would have felt so underwhelming, but I've been looking forward to this all week. <laughs> it's the so, social I mean, highlight. It's the social highlight. Um, yeah, but for one of our fraternity brothers, who I know everyone's jaws are on the floor, scoop them up, fraternity. Um, and uh, <laughs> who, you know, is a gay man who's marrying his partner. Oh my God. I know. He was one of the first gay friends we ever had. I know. I would say he helped Aaron. us come out. My heart. I know. We love you, Aaron. Um, wait, Dylan, you're literally our college fraternities advisor now, which is scary as and hell. random, fun. right? I know. It's just a virtual, you know, I posted like a little Insta announcement about it and people were texting me. They're like, you're never coming back to New York. What do you do? And I was like, you know, it's a virtual gig. <laughs> like it's literally like once a month, low key, but um, I'm excited to give back to, you know, my college fraternity. Like I know that the guest today is actually from our college rival, the University of Michigan, (gasps) as we are Buckeyes for life, Uh but that only applies to sports. I don't think there's any other competition there, but I'm excited to give back and, you know, I'm becoming a frat Lord all over again. You know me. (laughs) It's funny how history repeats itself. I know. Listen, let's bring in our guests so we can talk about 
their journeys and maybe we'll get into some Michigan stuff. Who knows? Read us in, Dylan. All right. It's time. Fade in on our guest today, a Missouri native who is a 2018 Tony nominee for Best Actress in a Musical for creating the literally iconic role of Regina George on stage in Mean Girls. For making the world burn on Broadway as the queen of the plastics, she also earned a Broadway.com Audience Award for Favorite Diva Performance, a 2018 Drama League Award nomination, and Outer Critics Circle nomination. Plucked from her college theater program to star in the tour of the unforgettable 2012 show Bring It On the Musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Tom Kitt, and Amanda Green, she then made her Broadway debut as Campbell Davis. Didn't know she had a last name. You'll know this gorgeous queen from playing Lauren in Kinky Boots on Broadway, as well as her numerous Muni appearances in Grease, Aida, Hairspray, Legally Blonde, and so much more. On TV, you'll absolutely recognize her from CBS's The Good Fight, Nick Jr.'s Sunny Day, well, you'll know her voice, and playing Wendy in NBC's Peter Pan Live, HBO's High Maintenance, and the upcoming The Keenan Show on NBC. She co-wrote a teen musical, which premiered in 2019 at Ozark Actors Theater in Missouri, where she also volunteers. She also founded Write Out Loud, a songwriting competition for young, new musical theater writers. She's a teacher a newlywed, and even recently finished her degree at the new school. Please welcome to drama, Taylor Lauderman. <laughs> oh my goodness, you made me sound so fancy. Thank you for including my degree. <laughs> I, I remember that was like, it made like Broadway.com news, like when that happened. And I was like, that is amazing. Like, good for her. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> How many classes did you have to do to finish your degree? Oh, you guys, I started, um, I, I, so I was at the University of Michigan and I tried to go back there or like get credits or just anything and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do online classes, which I wonder what they'll do now after the pandemic. So I looked at the new school and I think I started like two months before I got Peter Pan live. So I was like, I have nothing going on. I'm unemployed. I'm going to sign up for four classes. And then I think I found out I booked Peter Pan live like two days after the drop date for the classes. And I was like, no. So that's what I started. And I kind of scattered them throughout, um, you know, taking breaks when I had gigs and whatnot. That's amazing. That's so admirable. Oh my God. There's so many, we left no stone unturned with that intro. So we'll try to talk about as many things as we can, but before we jump into it all, are you well, are you doing well? Oh, I'm so well. I'm, I'm so grateful um, for a lot of things. Uh, I'm working right now, which makes me feel very lucky. Um, most of the pandemic, I was able to teach young people about musical theater on Zoom, which I, I love and um, just got married. Yes. Um, feeling feeling sort of normal in, in that sense and and bought a house and all that um and i i kind of needed a little break from the theater grind you know eight shows a week and so i, I was okay with the stay at home business. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like one of the lucky ones for sure oh my Aww. god i'm so happy for you um when did you get married i got married on <laughs> Trump's birthday. <laughs> you guys. Okay, I'm I'm not a fan of that no. guy, but oh. I didn't know this and we were and we got married down in Florida 
because my husband's parents retired down there and I had no idea, but we were getting married on this waterway inlet. Um, I think like 20 minutes from where he lives, where his home is there in Florida. Mar-a-Lago, is that, does he live there? Yeah, I, okay. I don't know. But clearly I don't follow him because there was a whole parade of boats on the waterway, which was literally up against where we were having our ceremony. And I was almost in tears because oh. there were there was like loud music and like Trump flags and all this stuff. And I was just like, no. Oh my God. We had already compromised um, so much of the wedding because of the oh, pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, but it, they were gone by the time the ceremony started. It was perfect. So thank goodness they were gone. <laughs> that is terrifying. Were they blasting like YMCA, like Trump's odd theme song? Oh, all the things, all the things, the half naked, you name it. Yeah. Was that so. like April, April, something no, like that? No, it was in June. June. Okay. June okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm just happy for you that you were still able to find like moments of light throughout this crazy year. But so you, where did you buy a house? If we may ask. Yeah, I'm in Missouri, you know, closer to my family, not closing any doors in terms of career, but definitely having that as a home base and, and obviously traveling when I when I have work. I respect that so much. Like that's, I think what a lot of people are going to be doing going forward. And I mean, I don't know when I'll be going back to New York, my boyfriend and I are talking about moving in somewhere that's not New York this summer. And it's like, the plan was always New York, but you know, I think What's there things will go right back now? to semi-normal as soon as mm-hmm. it's safe, but I think a lot will still be different. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping I can still um, audition online, you know, self-tapes. Oh, yeah. Now, you don't say Missouri like Missouri. No, I'm not like that. <laughs> <laughs> we saw that movie, the, the Three Billboards movie, and that's how everyone was saying it in that. Yeah, they did. Missouri is not known for many good things. <laughs> <laughs> One of our best friends is from Maryland Heights outside of St. Louis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, I know where that is. That's amazing. I love it. Oh my, and of course, you have so many ties to the Muni and everything. Yeah, I was going to say one good thing um, that I do about Missouri. I mean, I love lots of things about Missouri, but that it is known for in a good way is I think the theater community It has a really strong arts community in St. Louis and I think in Kansas City, too. Um, But I was lucky to grow up nearby some of these really amazing opportunities. Oh, my God, I love it. I was reading through some of your Muni credits and I was like, I would pay all my money to see you in AIDA. Oh my God. (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to give away my, like my moment later, but it's tied to that place and that show. And um, I think my first show I ever did at the Muni as a teenager, you know, they have these kids and teens troops and it's so competitive. Like I remember um, I auditioned three years in a row without making it. And my mom called them and was like, what can she do? You know, And they were like, nothing, just keep trying, you know? And I'm like, oh, so um, when I finally made it, it was huge. And I felt like the new girl was so, you know, especially as a teenager, you're just so insecure. Um, I finally made it into one of the shows and I was, I was a Nubian slave in Aida, which should never happen again. And um, (laughs) I don't, I don't think it will, but (laughs) (laughs) But I was in the very back, you know, like 30 seconds on stage. Um, Yeah. What, what number did they feature? Were you in like, um, 
What's that? Is it called the dance of the robe? Were you in like that yes. number? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such yes. a bop. Oh my God. Heather, Heather Headley. Oh, what I would have given to see her, her and Sherry Renee Scott. I would have been oh, so thrilled. I'm so obsessed. Yeah. So that's where it all kind of started. Kind of bring in that segment because I think I know. we're on the, the I'm precipice. Sorry. Of I'm it. sorry. No, no, no. This is exciting. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm so th- I'm th- I'm thrilled at how natural this segue was. But we like to we like <laughs> we like asking all of our guests about their ring of keys moment. You know that moment of recognition where they perhaps saw a performance or a film or had some sort of artistic inspiration where they suddenly identified with themselves in the arts and they thought, oh my gosh, I need to be a part of that. Do you feel that you? have a specific ring of keys moment or moments. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously going back to that, I, I was <laughs> uh, at the Muni. It's the world's largest outdoor theater. 11,000 people, I believe. Seats. And there, there are even free seats in the very back. Um, the whole St. Louis community just embraces it. It's like a family tradition. It's, it's magical. It feels like Christmas to me. Um, so the moment I finally got to be in a show after, you know, going to see the shows and wishing I could be on that stage one day was, was magical in and of itself. But I think I have such a vivid memory of we're, we're in rehearsals and, um, the, the gal playing, um, Aida, her name was Simone and we were rehearsing dance of the robe and you rehearse outside in a pavilion at the Muni. It's a huge pavilion because the stage is huge. So it has to be the same size and we're outside and we start the song and everybody was just giving 150% and she's just, just, just love is just exuding out of her heart. I don't even know how else to articulate it. And, and she starts crying mid song, you know, and the song is about giving people hope, right. And, and sort of um, amping up her, her community of people who've been beaten down for years and she starts crying. And then the, it's like the clouds opened up and it starts pouring down rain. And, and mind you, we're in a pavilion, so we're, we're not being rained on, but it's still just so insane how the wind takes the rain and, and we get a little bit wet. And, and then everyone else starts bawling too. And I'm just like a young teenager and there are, you know, many professional actors on there. I'm just like, what is happening? What is happening to me? Because it was sort of the first moment where I completely opened up my heart and allowed the story that I was telling, I don't know, be reality for me in that moment. Like it was just, I I don't know how to articulate it really. And, um, after the song ended, everybody just like went in for this like group hug. And it was just that first time I really felt like, oh my gosh, I'm a part of something so much bigger than me. And we're a team and we're building this together. And then to go out on stage my first night and at the Muni, when the show starts, it's still light outside. It's 8.15 in the summer. Um, In fact, the sun doesn't go all the way down until intermission. And you can see all 11,000 people. And I just thought, oh my gosh, we get to let all of them in on this moment right now, you know, and that was just like, Oh my, I think my heart exploded. (laughs) And that was, that was it. I was like, okay, done deal. Here I go. Oh, that is beautiful. I don't know if I explained it well enough, but. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I had chills. I had chills. Cause you know, I think that that's like what the ring of keys moment is all about, you know, and it's that feeling that you don't experience too often, maybe only a couple of times in your life, but how, cool. Oh my God. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, that's bigger than some Broadway theaters. 
Oh my God. Absolutely. And you know, I argue that with a lot of my students these days, like you can access that ring of keys moment, if you will, no matter what step of your journey you're at, it doesn't have to be on Broadway, right? You can find mm-hmm. that joy and that fulfilling, um, those fulfilling aspects in your, in your local community theater or at school, you know, don't take those for granted. Um, so absolutely. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh my God. And I think it's also inspiring to know that you had, I mean, there are people who want your career. They want to be you, you know, because you've been in these shows for young people, essentially, like lots of people relate to Campbell. They relate to Regina and in, in, in a small way or whatever. Um, and so to know that you auditioned many times and didn't necessarily get in until the moment was right. It's kind of inspiring to know, like, you know, Taylor Louderman didn't get in on her first audition. It wasn't, you know, easy peasy. I also think it's so important. Like these kids or anyone, you know, you only see the highlight reel. Like you don't get to see Mm -hmm. all the fails, (laughs) like the hard fails. (laughs) Um, And there are many of them, right? But that's part of growing. So absolutely. So you did the Muni for, was was it like every summer and then you went to college? Yeah. And even when I went to college, I remember getting to Michigan and everybody's like, oh, we're auditioning at the Muni. And I was like, wait, what? We, we are? We are? Great. You know? So um, I was like, great, Aww. I can still go home and do the Muni. <laughs> like, uh, and so I, yeah, I remember doing Footloose as an equity ensemble member. Very that. So some of my, some of my uh, old teens, mini teens got to watch me sort of grow up into this more yeah. mature position, which was cool, of course. Were you Ariel? <laughs> No, I was again oh, right, in the right, ensemble. Right. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm working my way up, okay? Yeah. And then when did you have your first, you know, starring role at the Muni then? Well, actually, the, the next year after Footloose, I was Margot in Legally Blonde. Love. And it happened to be the same year that Mike Isaacson was in his transition period. He was taking over as artistic director at the Muni. And speaking of Ring of Keys, he's a major producer on Fun Home and was on Bring It On as well back then. And so I, Lily Blonde was about to start in the summer and I had started auditioning for Campbell and Bring It On at the end of the spring of my sophomore year. Mind you, I had auditioned for two other roles and bring it on Ava and didn't get it. And then Skylar and didn't get it. So fast forward to the spring, we're in auditions for Campbell and I was flying to New York city. This was a huge deal for me because I had never done something like this before auditioning for Campbell Davis in, in bring it on in front of Lynn Manuel, Andy Blankenbuehler, Alex Lacamoire, Amanda Green, Tom, K- like all these people that I had studied on note yes. cards <laughs> at school that year. And, um, I was in auditions with uh, the girl who was going to play Elle in Legally Blonde <laughs> later. And we both fly back to rehearsals for Legally Blonde. And I got pulled out of my rehearsal, my music rehearsal, to go to Mike Isaacson's office, who I had just seen at the audition in New York like days before, and got the phone call. And they you know, were videotaping it and all telling me. And I was just like, oh, my God this is one of those moments like my life is going to change. You know, you envision yourself going back to your junior year of college and all of a sudden just like that, you're like envisioning um, starring in this, this cool show that's going to travel. So that was, that was such a moment, such a milestone in my life and career that I will. Oh my God. I can only imagine. Yeah. 
So did you end up ultimately doing Legally Blonde at all? I did. I finished that out. Okay. And then I did bring it on. And then, oh, to answer your question, sorry. Uh, I think my first role. Oh, right. I'm like, what question uh, did I ask? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was either Hairspray or Grease oh, cool. um, as Amber or Sandy. Oh, uh, so many like bucket list roles that you've got the chance to do, I'm sure. Yeah, all the white girl bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> Then you like obviously yeah. like skipping ahead down the line like you got to kind of turn flip the script on that and play the mean girl the mean girl you know so it's oh, kind of cool like, you weren't typecast as like the uh innocent uh ingenue <laughs> yeah i i don't know i don't know what to say about <laughs> that. no i'm just curious how how mean girls came into your life we we need to talk about it of course yeah okay <laughs> well um the, I kind of hit my lowest low right before Mean Girls. So I was doing a show called Ride the Cyclone off Broadway and it had done really well in Chicago. So MCC was bringing it to New York. And I think, I think the director was sort of pressured by them to, to hire New York actors. And I was one of those that replaced the Chicago you know, cast. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't see it coming, but they, they let me go. Like, I can't remember exactly, maybe two days before opening night and oh I was God. devastated I I just was like what did I miss it's like a breakup where you're like what where was my radar on on kind of mm-hmm. aging that I wasn't making them happy um and so I was like this is probably a sign I, I was starting to feel at that point like kind of just powerless as an actor I was wanting to be more creative wanting to have more control artistic control and so I was thinking about you know do I want to go back to school uh, for directing maybe do I want to do other things and anyway so I was like ready to throw in the towel and then um I think my agent was like I have an audition for kinky boots for you and I was like I I auditioned for that this summer and didn't get it I don't I don't really want to do it and they're like no come on you should do it so I did it and got it so I'm going into Kinky Boots and I had a freaking blast. I <laughs> loved it. I refell in love with theater and um, the cast was amazing. I was doing comedy, which was something I didn't know I was okay at. And I think I was like two months into that. And all of a sudden Mean Girls comes in, Clueless comes in and there's an audition for um, Frozen and like all these things. I'm like, I went from, you know, <laughs> zero to a hundred. Um, and, and Mean Girls, it was just, you know, an audition for the lab, of course. So you didn't know you were being, you were signing on for a Broadway at the time, but that was thrilling. <laughs> just the lab. And I mean, I love working on the workshops because I feel like that's where you really are most creative. You're shaping the show. Mm. You're giving it a life. Um and so, yeah, it was halfway through the lab, I think, is when uh, I got the offer to do uh, the, the out of town in D.C. And, and Broadway. Oh, my God. What a, what a journey. I feel like there's so much in there I yeah. want to unpack for a sec. But going back to yeah. Kinky Boots, what yeah. who, who else were you in it with? Who was your your Charlie? I had a few Charlies. Um, Killian Donnelly, the U.K. Charlie original uh-huh. and then i had brendan yuri panic at the oh. show, which was so much fun um and then a couple i think other guys came in andy kelso for like a hot second yeah mm-hmm. 
we just had Stark Sands on a couple weeks ago and talked all oh, about Kinky Boots. Oh, he's so sweet too. I got to meet him a couple times, but never we never uh, did the show together. Uh, he yeah, he was he's amazing. That is one of our favorite shows, and I understand where you would discover that rediscover that joy. And and yeah. there were so many ensemble members who stayed the whole run. Like it must have just been a great place to be, you know. I think that that and and not to knock on like mean girls or bring it on. But when you're creating a new show, it's just in a pressure cooker. You know, everybody knows they're going to be uh, uh, reviewed and it just there's mm. a lot on the line, you know, but with Kinky Boots that had already won the Tony Award, it was a well-oiled machine by the time I stepped in. And, and yeah, the ensemble members, a lot of them had been there for a while. So they were just like, look, we're here to have a good time. We're clocking in, you know, how was your day? It was just chill <laughs> and fun. It was really fun. And yeah. And I, I just, I loved making an audience laugh. I was like, Whoa, this is cool. You know? Cause I mean, bring it on had like its moments, of course, Jeff Woody's mm-hmm. very funny, um, but not my character per se. <laughs> That's true. But you did, you did get to sing one perfect moment, which is so good. Oh my God. I listen to that all the time. Oh my God. Love. I know. Wasn't that on your Spotify wrapped Connor? Yeah, it was. And I was like, this musical is not from this year or the last year or the year after. (laughs) You know, what was on my Spotify wrapped a couple of years ago was stupid with love reprise. Isn't that fun? Not the, not the original. original. (laughs) I'm a sucker for a reprise or reprise or, you know, everyone says it differently. It's very tomato, tomato. But Taylor, I was thinking you were talking about how Kinky Boots helped you realize you could do comedy or that you were funny. And I think that lended so beautifully to Regina because, oh, I think, I mean, I'm not an actor, but I will say, I think there has to be a sense of humor in that portrayal, right? Yes. know how to make how to help to support i think yeah um because there's so many funny elements around i mean even regina is funny and how ridiculous she is oh my god so i yeah i definitely think it helped helped me understand comedy as a whole better and um it was so much fun oh my, oh gosh. my god i especially loved her, her ending moments where she's wearing you know, spoiler alert neck brace and you know <laughs> um that was just a blast oh my god to do that scene yeah, that scene in the bathroom just say, right before <laughs> stars. It's one of my favorite moments of the show. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it, it did definitely add so much more to the character, you know? So much more depth, I think, than the movie gave us. But it's a different time. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we call on that a little bit more now. Yeah. I think. What was the dynamic like? Because the cat, it was probably similar to Bring It On in some ways, but you were one of the veterans, but I know there were a lot of newbies and mean girls, a lot of people making their debuts. What was the cast dynamic like, especially going from DC to Broadway? Oh my gosh. It was, it was like, we bonded so hard that once everything leveled out and the show had opened and the Tonys were over, everybody was like, we need a breather. (laughs) I can imagine. Uh, Yeah. But it was just amazing. Uh, Gosh, I I have so many good memories of of that cast and and you know it was hard because I remember you know it was sort of an ensemble principal cast in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Erica's definitely carrying the show one hundred percent, but um, lots of principal roles, lots of big parts, and then oh, yeah. this ensemble of dancers who are working their butts off. 
Um, and so that was hard, I think, at times because of that division of just, you know, we, we tend to lift up the starring roles more um, than those ensemble parts, but uh, they were working harder. I mean, I was just walking around in slow motion and they were <laughs> burning so many calories, you know? Um, so that, that got weird at times um, because you want to celebrate everybody, but, yeah. but it was uh, such a team effort. I think that started with, with Tina Faye and, and Casey Nicola and just sort of making it feel like a collaboration, you know, um, mm-hmm. Tina didn't walk in the room and say, okay, you do this and you do this and you do this, you know, this is my idea and it's the best one. So here we go. Uh, and neither did Casey. It was very much like the best idea wins. Doesn't matter where it comes from. And that was key for having a, a good experience. I was so sad when the show opened actually, because <laughs> they were leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. How cool. What a, what a unique yeah, experience to have Tina Fey. I know she's a genius, a genius. Oh, yeah. So good. I was thinking about that in terms of how it was, it was, it's a show where every performance has to work, right? Because it's not only this iconic film, but every, every, every storyline is so important to making the ending, you know, and the journey you go on with everybody. We actually saw the show like the night of the Tony, the the night that the Tony nominations came out or the day after or something, the day after. after. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I I remember being like, why weren't they all nominated? You know what I mean? Like it was one of those crazy things, but Taylor, what you were able to do with Regina was something so special. And I remember walking away from it being like, she didn't do Rachel McAdams. She did her own Regina, you know, and, and Rachel McAdams as Regina George is one of the most iconic. My favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that movie hinges on her and her A Star is Born moment in it. And I think that was the same year The Notebook came out, too. Probably, if not really, really close. close. She yeah. could really do it all. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel like Regina is the iconic character for Mean Girls. You know, she really is. And you slayed the house down boots and i even went on the record saying that i thought you should have won the tony that year you were on my draft pick <laughs> it's true because you. you took a role that i don't think anyone else could have done what you did taylor and that's our criteria that's our criteria taylor thank you <laughs> if no one else could have done it then they should get nominated let alone win and oh my god you were magical absolutely did you did you Thanks, enjoy guys. playing regina of course I did. <laughs> is that bad? Oh, no, it's so good to be bad. No. It's like Taylor Swift said, I did something bad. So why'd it feel so good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to dissect that a bit more. You know, why was it? I think it's, I think it's empowering actually. Like as much as she uses her powers for like bad, <laughs> um, she has power and she owns it. I think that's what is so attractive. Yeah. Oh, for oh sure. God. Oh my God. My favorite song in the show was Till Someone Gets Hurt. And that it was just, it's such a unique solo number for someone to have. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it's, oh my God, it was so good. Oh my gosh. You should have seen it in DC. We were like, it was, it was not, you know, in, in on Broadway I had, it was like the guys dancing behind me, which mm-hmm. made it just like, it, it, it felt like, um, you know, it has that James Bond feel. And then you have these like guys dance, like superheroes. And it felt so... <laughs> I don't know, supernatural in a sense. Uh-huh. But in DC, we were like, there was a set piece that was the like kitchen island in Katie's you know house because it's a party at her house. And Kyle and I were just like moving around the, the countertop, and and it was just like 
a really speaky song. It was just so the energies of the two and the differences were just extremely different. I, I was so happy when Casey came up with the idea to give give me the guys and and that James uh-huh. Bond feels it just helped me feel uh powerful. Oh, oh my god, oh, and the gosh. vocals. Did I didn't I don't think I knew you could sing like that until I saw you in Mean Girls. Did they know you could sing like that when you when you got cast? I don't know if I knew I could sing like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I feel like it was so collaborative. Like I know uh, Jeff Richmond, Tina's husband, who who wrote the music, was very open to ideas. Um, and so there were times when I'd go in another room with um, Meg, who was one of the assistants, um, and play some things. And she would throw out ideas and I would throw out ideas. I even called one of my buddies, Nicholas Oliveri, who I know is like so good at making up riffs. And I was like, okay, what would you do here? And he would send me a voice voiceover recording. And I'd memorize uh-huh. it. I'm not very good at um, improvising with music musically i have to rehearse it i have to get good at it sure um and so but he is so uh i i worked on that uh, I, uh, pretty hard because i i wanted i wanted regina to show off in every oh, yeah. any opportunity she could w- without without making it seem like i'm showing off you know <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah so uh, i felt like that's what the role needed too and and so um i'm glad i'm happy to hear that because it was something i was hoping for <laughs> oh yeah wait doesn't nick oliveri doesn't he do a lot of the backup stuff with ben rahala at the yeah at the i think so like yeah that? He, okay he i definitely know different... his name yeah he's uh, so talented he's one of those people where i'm like oh he's 10 times more talented than i have he just hasn't had an opportunity yet you know and and speaking of ben of course you two have your right out loud co-collaboration project yeah it's... how fun and the music is unbelievable Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's been a really big surprise. I kind of did it because I was getting, I was getting bored at Mean Girls. I wanted to do something with the following I had. And I was like, you know, like actors can go to an an open call and get their stuff seen, but like for a, a musical theater songwriter, like a young person who's like, I have no idea how to start getting in this world. They, it's, it, it seemed really hard. So I was like, how could I connect how could I help? <laughs> so that's what came of it. And then we got 500 song song submissions. I was like, when am I going to listen to all of these songs? I know. Oh my what God. What did I do to myself? Um, and, and, and one of them has really found success. Um, yes. I don't really understand not how in the sense that the song, the song is amazing, but I just mean, I don't understand TikTok and YouTube and, and the fandom thing, whatever, but yeah, it's really taken <laughs> off. And um, I've been surprised. And from a business standpoint, I don't know what I'm doing, you guys. Like, I did not prepare for this, for a, for a big success like this. So I'm learning so much about the music industry and kind of, you know, making this into a nonprofit and just all the look oh, that, that comes that. with it. Wait, so the song that, that took off is the one that you sang, right? Yes. Um, right. <laughs> well, that's part of the reason why, girl. I don't know. But <laughs> the, the story, I think, really relates, I think, for a lot of young people out there. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, it was by Jariah Kwame, Little Miss Perfect. And apparently there's a Disney show called Owl House that sort of follows that same similar story. Okay. And some okay. of the fans now picked it up and turned it into an anime. And now it's oh. got... I don't even know how many views on YouTube, but a lot. A lot. I, I think that's so. awesome. It's awesome. It's- that's the power of what you created. You know, you amplified that voice. Yeah, it's so cool for Jerry. I think he's gotten a lot of opportunities from it. He's writing a musical out of it. 
Um, so it's just, it's really rewarding. Like it's a lot, it takes a lot of my, my time, but it feels good, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, it's crazy. I was thinking about TikTok this morning and when I was younger as, as one, one does, yeah, right. <laughs> as one does, but I, in high school could barely in computer class, put, uh, you know, do Photoshop and move one person's head on top. I couldn't do it. So it blows my mind that people of all ages are able to make these incredible creative in experiences to consume on TikTok. It's beyond me. I mean, they are going to get jobs out the wazoo in the professional world. Meanwhile, I'm still like, I cannot even make a meme. <laughs> For real. Um, I do. I am curious about Keenan Thompson, who I can imagine, I think we're around the same age, Taylor. So all that he was on, you know, he's been doing a lot oh my of like, television, you yes. know, and now yes. you're working with him on his like debut. It's a sitcom. Is it a single cam or a multi-cam? Um, it's a multi-cam, single cam type field. It's like oh, I love it. Kind of. um, but it's not like live audience or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, oh my gosh, I'm a really big fan of his, uh, from Keenan and Kel, all that to, uh, his, Ooh, we, what's up with that? <laughs> what's up? Uh, uh, uh-huh, no. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been having, uh, a blast on this show. I can't reveal too, too much or I'll get in trouble, but, um, it's, it's a really, it's it's really funny, family oriented. I think it's exactly what we need right now, and just has a lot of different characters that you wouldn't put in the same world working together, which I love. Oh, fun! So I'm excited. I love I, it. It, it's so weird though working on um, television and without a, a live audience. So I did a, a, pi- a multicam pilot last spring, and we had an audience. So. I got so used to in kinky boots, like knowing whether something was funny based on the audience reaction. And I got, I almost got obsessed with like the science of comedy. Right. So one night you react like uh, one way and it, and you get a laugh. So you're going to turn up that dial for tomorrow night to see if you can get even more of a, like a bigger laugh and you keep turning it up and turning it up as long as the laughs, you know, you, and, and then once the laughs go down, you know, you've gone too far. So you can find like the pocket where it's mm-hmm. funniest. Right. Well, um, I was able to do that a little bit on that, that sitcom pilot, but this doesn't have a live audience. So we're doing scenes and nobody's laughing. And I'm just like <laughs> shaking with fear because I'm like, this is bad. This is bad. I'm going to get fired, you know, <laughs> but, um, Keenan and, and the writers are all like, no, no trust. You know, this is, it's good. It's going to be fine. But it's so scary. Like I'm so nervous for it to come out because I don't know. I don't even know what take they use. You know, I'm, I'm the last filter in theater. Um, I know mm-hmm. what the audience is going to get from me, but, yeah. <laughs> but from, from the, from television, you have no idea. It's way less control. Yeah, that is so interesting. It reminds me of like how some people are doing performances on zoom or like, yeah. they'll do like, a, I've seen like comedy shows and stuff happening on zoom. And I don't know how people do that. Like without that serotonin coming from the audience. Me neither. It's kind of like TikTok, maybe. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. That is crazy. You know, like I'm thinking about some of the funniest shows that I love, like, thir- you know, Tina, speaking of Tina, like 30 Rock, so funny. There was no laugh track. There, I mean, there was no, there was no one on set cracking up at these one joke a minute lines. So I, yeah. I can imagine that is such an interesting new challenge, you know? Yeah. It's been something I have to adapt to. I, I don't think I've quite gotten the other side of it yet but 
hopefully. Yeah, hopefully uh, it's good. I'm playing such a different character than I've I've played before, I think. So fingers crossed. But you get to be funny and that's what you can reveal. So I, I love, love it. Yeah. Switching uh-huh. gears, we like to talk about love on the pod and you said, you know, you told us yeah. about when you got married. Tell me about this hot husband. What's the love story? I need to know it all, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, um, I was... It was like during Tony's, let's see, we met on June 25th. So it was right after the Tony's and oh, wow, we yeah. met through a mutual friend at a birthday party. And I remember my girlfriend calling me and being like, Hey, there's this cute guy and he's going to be at my boyfriend's birthday party. You should come and meet him. And I was like, okay. So it was between shows on a Saturday, you know, but I've got my lashes oh. on the makeup done. So I'm like, okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> and um, I go and I, I say hi to him. He's really shy. And then it was at a, it was at the, gosh, what's the name of it? It's one of those boats on the pier over on the east side. Oh, oh. No, west side, west side. Anyway. Is it the Chelsea Pier type area? Kind of, yeah, kind of over there. But it was like a restaurant on, on one of the boats. Anyway, he goes, so there was a unisex bathroom. So I go down to the bathroom with my girlfriend and I am waiting for her. And he comes out of the bathroom and didn't wash his hands. He'd be so mad at me for telling the story. Um, <laughs> he didn't wash his hands. So I was like, oh, this is an opportunity. I'm going to go give him a hard time. You know, because I was used mm-hmm. to like, hanging out with the the tech guys backstage and we we give each other a hard time and that's how we show our love mm-hmm. you know like that's how we yeah. so i'm like i know how to speak guy language straight guy language um and so i go up go up in front of all of his friends and i'm like so you don't you don't wash your hands and he was like uh, and turns away <laughs> i was like oh my god <laughs> what am i doing and um that was kind of that <laughs> i go back to my show and my girlfriend calls me and she's like hey so apparently you guys matched on a dating app a while back and I was like what yeah I guess we matched on I think hinge or something six months ago from that moment and I looked back and I was like we so did and I said hi you guys I said hi that was my that was my I have chills I have chills (laughs) (laughs) and didn't respond so but, but he i didn't recall that he remembered though he remembered exactly so i was like all right i that's strike two for me you know after that meeting i was like if he wants me he's gonna have to put in some work yeah but i had followed him on instagram and i guess that's also like another try on my part so it's kind of three strikes anyway he messaged me and that's that oh my, oh my is he kind of shy yeah he i wouldn't say he's shy but he's just so considerate that he's never gonna make himself like the main event i i I don't know Uh he's he's truly a human angel in my opinion um but yeah he he's just very considerate all the time very patient um i don't i feel very lucky (laughs) (laughs) oh my god he sounds like a dream now how soon after the insta dms did he come and see the show oh oh good question so i've been kind of going on dates and i don't know i didn't like how once that was known or like that i was in a show I don't know. That just became like who I, I felt like it became who I was. And I didn't, I wanted somebody who was going to like love me long time, you know, like when I'm not, when I'm not starring in a Broadway show. So I really tried to make him wait a while. Plus I'm playing the bad guy, you know? So, right. um, 
I think he probably waited like two months or a month. Wow. To see it. Yeah. What if he like secretly like sn- like did the rush and like was on, like the front? <laughs> I mean, like, he's not a big Broadway person. I mean, he appreciates it, um, but I, I I doubt that he did that, which is okay, which is fine. That's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, that is so cute. I'm so happy that you are, you've tied the knot and that he even, you know, is likes Missouri, you know, like, that's oh, awesome. Isn't that great? Is he, is he from Florida then, if that's where his parents ended he up? He actually grew up in uh, Bronxville, New York. So oh, wow. 45 okay. minutes north of New York, uh, but his parents just retired down in Florida. So not a lot of ties in New York anymore. Um, yeah. So Missouri, yeah, he was fine with it, which I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Because it's where my whole family yeah. is. So. I know. I'm like, thank God my boyfriend's from Ohio originally. Because it's like, that's where I want to end up with my where my family mm-hmm. is. So Yeah. I do. And like our rent, I mean, our house, our payment on our house is less than my um, studio apartment in New York. So that's nice. That's why. Meanwhile, I'm like trying to get back to New York and everyone's like, you're crazy, but I I don't know. It'll be, it'll it'll come back. I I do think so. New York is um, invincible. I think Mm -hmm. that, that feel that vibe you get. I don't know. Um, Yeah, it is invincible. I love that. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe not like the physical, in the physical sense, but just that, community aspect i think everybody in that concrete jungle grinding away taking pride in <laughs> living like savages yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean in a sense you do right it's like but it's yeah, i love beautiful it. okay so we're wrapping up here and we like to end on a dose of drama which is where we like to share you know maybe something we're feeling dramatic about could be a piece of culture that we're consuming that we want to share with the listeners could be anything and i need to start because moments before we started recording this episode dylan and i were cracking up because neither of us had a dose of drama today we were like what do we do what do we do so we texted like 10 different group texts. And we were like, what do we say? What do we say? And my friend who I will leave nameless <laughs> said, here's a good one. Talk about how Amanda Gorman, who's the, you know, the new poet laureate at, in, in, for the country, um, how she was offered to a coat by Maya Angelou, but she turned it down for the inauguration to which we all were like, wait, Maya Angelou is sadly not alive anymore so how is this even real and we were cracking up because it was truly inexplicable it was actually oprah who offered amanda the coat which (laughs) this is drama because oprah maya was one of oprah's mentors but other than that why would you turn down an oprah coat amanda come on well amanda's coat was gorgeous it was that yellow but i was cracking up i was like this is this is so silly i can't even and our friend of course was embarrassed and she was like no i was i I messed i mistyped it was oprah but anyway drama amanda's amazing though by the way i'm obsessed with her i was so impressed i don't know i can imagine in those moments like i've been in in one of those moments before like a producer has offered to like given me a ride give me a ride back to like set or something and i'm like oh this would be awkward. I don't want to make them feel like they have to do this for me or whatever. But then you're like, oh, but if I turn them down, that seems weird too, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe it's something like that. You're felt, probably right. I don't know. I totally see what you're saying. After our summer theater auditions for West Side Story in the summer of 2009, the Conor and I were walking home from the community theater and the director, an iconic local legend, 
Vanille Lacanti offered to drive us home. And we were like, no, because we didn't want to suddenly was, like talk it about it. was that. That's weird. Good reference point, Dylan. Dylan, do you have a dose of drama today, tonight? I do. And, you know, I love when I can involve our guest in my dose of drama. And don't worry, <laughs> you didn't do anything wrong, Taylor. Um, it is that the, the, it's something that I'm bitter about. And I've gone on the record on our Patreon talking about this too, was that in 2018, all of the incredible musicals that were nominated for Tony's were basically like snubbed ultimately from getting the award because of this whole like message they wanted to send about like original art or whatever. And the tea is now all the musicals in 2020 that were nominated are all jukebox musicals and whatnot. And I just, you know, I have to laugh. I have to laugh. They were rude. They denied Tina her Tony. Like there are just, there are Ethan Slater, his Tony, Taylor Louderman, her Tony. I'm just kidding. Not to like, not to besmirch any of the other winners, but I just feel like maybe they were wrongfully discredited when it came time to checking off the awards. And that is my drama. It's so interesting. I, I thought about that a lot because of course I was in the thick of that, but, and I'm mostly coming at not from um, individual performances, but from the shows themselves. You know, I've always thought mm-hmm. about, I've always felt like award shows uh, celebrate the, the pieces that push society forward a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and versus the ones that are commercial success, right. The ones that are like making the most money and have the most fan base, you know? Um, but, and so I see both, both sides of that because like on one hand, I felt, I feel like we need more stories that aren't mainstream because that's sure. what pushes us to get outside of our comfort zone and see other perspectives, right? Like mean girls, although I love it, don't get me wrong. It's something we all already know and love, you know? Uh-huh. So, so I, um, I was like on both sides of that, like on one hand, oh my gosh, our show was awesome. Come on. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then totally understanding, you know, the band's visit It's just different, like almost a different art form. Very much so. Completely. Um, completely. I appreciate your perspective, Taylor. Thank you. I'm, I'm being a better buddy, but you, know, <laughs> you, you did, you did win the favorite diva performance, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I feel I feel very good about that. Yeah, yeah. No one can take that away from you. <laughs> Thanks. Do you have a dose of drama today, Taylor? I don't know. Something I've been thinking about is I want your I want to hear your perspective on it. Is I feel like a lot of times actors are really powerless unless they're the one percent like big star. Um, so often when it comes to like business aspects, you know, versus their pay versus producer pay, um, for example, something I'm learning with my write out loud things. And I know this aren't actors, but they're the artists. Um, there's a lot of royalty payments that the artists never see. Uh, it's something that Mm -hmm. I felt a little bit during my time at Mean Girls also in terms of access. So I'm like, there are two different, Mm. I may be getting in trouble for saying this, but there are two middlemen before an actor gets the part that it has to like go through. So you have like the casting director and the agent. And then sometimes there's like a whole nother third, third party and all these people are paid. So something that's been on my mind is like, Oh my gosh, am I going to give it away? Like it's starting an app where actors can just like submit their auditions and they're like these filters huh. and they reach the, the casting office, um, sort of like streamlined or whatever. So this is kind of a, 
double whammy there, but that's one of my mind that I think is dramatic. I love it. That is drama. I love the idea. And the idea of the concept of actors being powerless, it is true. And it baffles me because everyone's always like, oh, you're replaceable. You're this, you're that, whatever. But I truly don't understand why like producers, like the powers that be, feel like they have such power, I suppose. You know what I mean? Because it's like money. Money and you you sign away your your life sometimes. Like I, I mean, I I don't get me wrong, like I was paid well enough for Mean Girls. It's not necessarily about that, but just like taking ownership over sort of like my like my Instagram, you know, not being able to say certain things mm-hmm. or and then um I, I don't know, just so many creative elements too that you don't feel a part of like so often you feel like the robot just reciting mm. the lines in a sense, even though you're like, I helped build right. this thing, you know, um, so bizarre. And I'm dissecting it more and trying to like understand my feelings on the matter, but I hear more and more people feeling that way. And yeah. I talk to more and more sort of new actors in the business who do feel powerless as well, but they're sort of of the mindset of like, I don't deserve this, you know, yet because they haven't mm. experienced. And that was me too. Like I'll do anything, whatever you uh-huh. want, you know, um, it was totally me uh, years ago, but um, yeah, it's something that I think about and how can we, you know, maybe it's like the union yeah. doubling down or how can we um, empower ourselves a bit more? And maybe things like TikTok are helping because you're now the writer and the artist and, and the actor. All in yeah. One. yeah. That's, you are so insightful. And I think that's that there has to be a reckoning coming because I mean, this goes back to even back when a chorus line was created, those actors were hardly given mm-hmm they're due for, for literally giving their life stories for those roles. And, you know, it goes up even as recently as Hamilton, like those actors had to bargain in order to get royalties and everything. So it's even the whole lab versus workshop thing. Like there's so many systems in place that like leave actors to feel powerless. Weird. It's such a like team oriented collaboration in growing the art. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the business side is so not that. Mm. Oh. Especially cause even like, I'm sure there's lines in mean girls or moments in mean girls that are there because of you. You know, and and that's just one example, but or or bring it on, or and so forth. So I, I hope that we see a yeah. a reckoning with the actors getting their due. I think it's moving. I, I do. I think there's momentum, um, but producers are so powerful. I know they're so they're so rich too. Yeah, which is weird, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> I want to be rich. Yeah. Oh. oh my God. But anyway, that's, that's what the, those feelings, I guess, inspire me to um, produce more. Like I'm, I'm in really enjoying working for my theater back home where I grew up um, just like a little re- regional theater and, and doing right out loud and things like that, where I I've been on both sides. So I want to treat artists well. I love that. We need people like you. Yeah, you have exceeded all expectations. Everyone said you were the sweetest, but you're also like dedicated to bettering the other people around you and lifting up voices. Well, why not? Why wouldn't we? I hear you. Come on, world, do it. I think think this year is going to be much better. These next four years. Oh, yes. I feel better waking up every day. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you for doing the podcast, Taylor. I told you this. I think I told you this before we started recording, but whenever we're like, who do you want to hear on drama? Your name is submitted and we are so thrilled that you're part of the drama family now. And everyone follow Taylor on Twitter and Instagram at Tay Liz Lou 
or Lao? Yes. Lao? Oh my God. That's one of those things where like, I've read it forever, but I've never said it out loud. Like when I was reading Harry Potter as a kid and I was like, it's Hermione. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then I see it on the movie and I'm like, I was so wrong, but you're right. It would be Lao because your last name is Louderman. I guess. But I think Taylor's Lou sounds cuter. It's cute. Like Cindy Lou. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> That is so cute. Oh my God. Thanks for, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time today, Taylor. Of course. It's my pleasure, you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. And everyone follow at the drama podcast, at Connor McDowell, at Dylan McDowell. Yes. And Connor, we will see you next time. Drama. Drama.